Hey, 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 it's your girl, Jenny Steele, back with season two of the Teen Inspiration Lounge, founded by Jenny Steele at Project Yana CIC, sponsored by Juvenis Youth. Thanks for listening. You can find out more about Project Yana CIC and Juvenis Youth at www.jennysteele.co.uk. Welcome back, episode three, season two. We have Tuanika Alcindor from Alcindor Law. She is back, criminal defence lawyer, also a barrister, back in the building today. Today we are talking criminal exploitation and the law. A lot of you may know it in these terms, county lines and grooming. Hey. Hello. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Much better now. Things have started to slow down a little bit. Busy couple of weeks. <laughs> yes, yes. So hopefully a couple more weeks we'll be able to just mellow out a bit. Yeah, it's been busy. It's been busy. Thank you so much for having me on again. I'm really excited. Come on. We got <laughs> we we didn't I didn't have no choice, you know. I think that if Instagram would have let us go on a couple of hours, we probably just oh, would we have been there. Oh, we gone a couple hours on the last one. <laughs> Definitely. It is amazing to have you back. So many amazing comments and questions and bits and pieces for you. So I'm like, you know what? We had to get you back. I know this is a top uh, subject for you. It's definitely a top subject for us and for me. It's one that I think that we've probably seen a lot more through lockdown. And I think a lot of people will be surprised because everyone else has stood still. But the world has kept moving. And I think for a lot of people that may not have been working, they may not have seen as much. But obviously, we're still working in that part. So we Mm. can kind of see it rising. In fact, um, I'm honest, I've been more surprised at how much more exploitation matters and stuff that I've been dealing with since lockdown started than I was before, which sounds and even feels insane saying out loud. But as you said, the world keeps on spinning. You know, I I don't think when lockdown happened, the, the, the crime and stuff didn't automatically just stop with it. No, and I think that's what people automatically assume, like everything's slowed down, we're not seeing a lot of stuff on the news and things like that around mm. young people and, and stuff that's happening. So I think everyone just thinks it goes a bit quiet. So yeah. no, we, we, we had <laughs> to get you back. We had to get you back. So for anyone who missed us um, in action last time, what an amazing um, live that was as well, that's where we were fantastic. talking about social media. Yeah. I believe it's not available. Has it gone live now on your other Yeah, no, platform? so it's up on IGTV and hopefully in the next two weeks it will go up on the Spotify. So I can't wait for it to go there because not everyone's got Instagram or social media and there's a lot of people that probably need to hear that one around social media as well. Yeah, um, sure. Family included. <laughs> So for anyone who missed the fantastic introduction of you, Tonika, <laughs> tell us. <laughs> it sure was, you know. Oh, I think you God. how good yeah. it was. <laughs> um, so, yeah, briefly, I am Tonika Arsindor. I wear an incredible amount of hats. It's insane how I manage all of that. My first and foremost role is, of course, I'm a barrister by profession, so I practice predominantly in criminal defence law and I also do family law. have been qualified in the UK since 2015 and qualified in Jamaica since 2017. <laughs> yeah, we like to do our salutes here. Come you. on now, we've got a um, salute assist. In 2017-18 when I came back to the UK I decided that all the years that I'd spent working in different law firms etc was great. I'd built my own legal charity in Brixton, Lawyers in the Soup Kitchen. We'd done a lot of community work and incentives we put out a film to help educate about you know the knife crime that was happening in the city before the bbc made it a epidemic you know yeah Uh, yeah we've done a lot of work in the community for for years really before i decided to take the leap of faith and i opened my own law firm two and a half years ago alcindor law named after myself and my family name um, which is based in Brixton, right next door to Brixton McDonald's. We've been running for two and a half years now, and we help hundreds of clients, young, old, everything in between, predominantly in criminal matters, but in pretty much any type of legal problem that you can think of. So, yeah, I do those two roles. So I'm Alcindor Law, I've got the barrister hat, and I also run Lawyers in the Soup Kitchen, which is a free 
legal advice project in the community down at Lambeth in Brixton Soup Kitchen. So many hats, but incredibly busy all the time. Um, but I think that the beauty of the different hats that I wear is that I've got so many different versions of insight that I can offer to discuss a topic that we're going to speak about today. Um, yeah. Not only have I represented young people or adults even in criminal matters in the courts, I've prepared the cases in the office. I have been to the family court to stop parents losing their kids. So kind of a wide spectrum. And I hope that I can give both the adults and if any, any young people are logged on as well today, some insight as to what it is that's really going on in the world of exploitation of young people. Oh, definitely. Superb, Tonika. Trust me, I'm just... Stop, well, stop, stop, stop firing up straight away. <laughs> I'm like, no, you have worked hard, sis. You understand? You have worked really hard and, and big salutes to you. And you've got a wealth of knowledge as we had an insight to a couple of weeks ago. And then obviously Hashi doing his live was like, I've got to introduce you. It was like, don't worry about that. We'll Hashi do that ourselves. Definitely. So listen, let's get right into it. So we did during the live last time, there was a few little questions there around exploitation. And we thought, you know what? It's too big to do one or two questions. Because I think, obviously, the terminology even, criminal exploitation, people are like, oh, what's that? But when you say county lines or, or grooming, everyone kind of seems to know that side of it. So I think it was definitely too big to do two or three questions last time. Definitely so. So we're going to step right in. For anyone who is locked in now that doesn't know what county lines is, explain that to us. So it's a term that's flying around a lot at the moment and um, it seems quite complicated but the only way that I can explain it in the same way that I explain it to juries is to make it simple. So simply county lines is usually when you've got a group of what the government would call organised criminals who travel to an area outside of the area which they normally live in. It usually involves the sale of drugs, predominantly class A drugs, so we're talking heroin, cocaine, crack cocaine albeit that there are also county lines for cannabis and things like that. And basically what the whole idea is, is that you travel outside of your local area so that you're able to sell more of the drugs that you would an ordinary sell in, in London. The point is, of course, that London is saturated. There are lots of people selling drugs in London and lots of people buying drugs in London. Yeah. And that, I think the idea is that that's where you get things like turf wars and you get the youth violence because everyone's trying to protect their patch. So people thought that perhaps to get outside of the whole let's stop fighting over this little council estate this yeah. on the corner let's yeah. spread our wings a little bit and effectively setting up shop in, in different counties hence the term county lines the term lines from county lines is the whole idea of having if a dispatch phone pretty much like a taxi driver you call up get your drugs but you're in a different city so the perfect example would be a london boy from an estate in peckham who finds himself in Devon or Reading, for example, selling drugs from Devon or Reading. So when you say yeah. county line, that organisation, that enterprise that we're talking about. Wow. It is, it's deep, isn't it? Even just, the, even just the terminology. Mm. Even just the terminology, county lines, like it stands for so much. Now, how many young people do you think, and I was, we'll, take, we'll do estimations, how many yeah. young people estimated do you think are affected by county lines well to be fair when i was thinking about county lines today i had to do some digging because i didn't actually know the general answer not only did yeah. i not know i curious to find out and it's shocking We're and i can't lie about... when i was putting your questions together i was like let me just go and have a little look myself <laughs> uh, because i was very surprised yeah, Very absolutely. Surprised. We're looking about, at the moment, they say the government estimates about 46,000 young people in the city, which is incredible. It's insane. Um, and then you've got looking at about 4,000 4, young people themselves are actually involved in county lines. And when we're looking at these numbers, we're not talking 15-year-olds, 16-year-olds. We're talking kids as young as seven, yeah. 10, eight. Yeah. And when I said that, I don't know, most people are online have got kids or they've got siblings or nieces or nephews you think your seven-year-old the seven-year-old in your family could be involved in county lines it is insane absolutely insane so those are the it's kind actually of numbers that so we're... so scary to yeah, think absolutely. that a seven or eight-year-old let's just think about what a, se a seven or eight like it, it is shocking yeah 
it's insane. And I'll tell you, you know, really about it. I've got, I've got a sister that's 15 years of age. And I, I always look at her as being kind of older than the rest of the kids. But if I compare that to my niece, who is seven, it, you, I just can't get my head around it. But that's the reality. It's the reality. And I'm that, looking, I'm thinking, my grandson's going to be like five. There's that couple years off of him. Nobody believes he's got a grandson, Jenny. <laughs> yeah, no. You're in there laughing. But, um, you know, it's so, you know, primary school. And I think that's why tonight, the information that's going to come out tonight is going to shock people. But it's also going to inform people of the insights that we need to be having these conversations. We need to be sure. talking about the dangers. We need to be talking about who our young people are talking to and who their friends are. It's really important because we're saying seven and eight. That's not even secondary school in my yet. Yeah, they haven't done the sats yet. It's insane. Insane. No. Guys, no. I'm seeing you guys saying hello. I can see you. Please share, share, <laughs> share the live. Let's get some more people in here. Um, <laughs> so how are young people being exploited? How is this done? Right, in order for me to explain, as I said, because it, it's, it's such a sophisticated business that you have to yeah. really dumb it down a little bit to understand. I had to dumb it down to be able to understand it at law school. So we've got to try and make it simple. I'm going to give some terms we're going to do some terminology first and foremost but parents might not necessarily be aware and i think it's important that when we hear our kids and our young people having conversations we know talking. exactly what they're talking definitely so, you 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 went ahead girl I, I put some of those down <laughs> but you went ahead you, you just do your thing <laughs> there's, so there's a term Olders. Olders generally re refers to the who is older generally it just means generally in a community or an environment but in the terms of county lines and drug dealing and exploitation and older would be somebody higher up the food chain we're talking somebody who would be more in charge of the day-to-day -day running of a drugs operation either as the manager if we use that term or as a supervisor a younger is just somebody that's younger than an older as it says on the tin but in terms of the drug criminal enterprise world you're looking more at somebody that's younger in age but also younger less experienced in terms of the food chain so we would consider a so younger yeah, typically Leveling. a young would be a worker. Then yeah. you've got the supervisors, then you've got the managers, all right? So that's yeah. the best way to understand it. Um, and a younger is usually a worker as well, but sometimes it could be you kind of work your way between being a younger and a supervisor, so somewhere in the yeah. middle. Now, when we're talking about county lines, there's another term that's very important, and this is called cuckooing. And it's basically the same as having a cuckoo clock. You know, the clock that ticks, 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 and then out comes the bird. Yeah. What it basically means is that it usually involves before that the, the county lines is normally travelling from one area to another. Cookering is the equivalent of travelling from one place to another, but home. Finding a little box that you can hide yourself in, like the cooking okay. clock. So basically the equivalent of cookering is, as I said, you're moving to find a home for you to, to chill at whilst you can be involved in the county line. This is where the term trap houses come from. So we hear about trap houses and it sounds quite glamorous. It's not really. Um, us adults who wouldn't necessarily try and find a term to match what a trap house is or a cuckoo is, is the equivalent of a crack house. So it's not glamorous. They're very dirty. Generally, you'd find somebody who is a drug user who has yeah. allowed themselves to be cuckooed. What that means is they've allowed their house to be used, used. so that they can have the benefit of free drugs or lower price drugs. Or yeah whatever sometimes it's not even they're provided with free drugs they usually are but it's usually because they are so scared of their drug dealer or the person that it is and yeah. their addiction that they are willing to give up their council flat for a month or so whilst yeah. our youngers are going up to treat yeah. to go and see these trap houses so they wow. either get paid out of fear or they get paid in drugs or a combination of the two uh, and when we're talking about the olders, the youngers, the workers, and the trap houses. It sounds, as I said, quite sophisticated terminology. But if your young people are having these conversations, they're having these conversations that are so, they seem so innocent. But when you understand the terminology, it's actually a lot of sinister and quite, yeah. quite dangerous. Definitely. When, when, I suppose when you break it down, because as we said, we hear, quite often we hear all the glamorised words. Mm. But when you actually break it down, because obviously when a lot of young people do go missing and they're away for a few days, they don't come back clean and tidy in fresh clothes, hair done, yeah. clothing all nice. They actually come back like they slept anywhere. Right. You know, they're not clean. Sometimes they haven't even found somewhere within that place to wash. 
shower absolutely absolutely you know and they are just in those clothes for a couple of days which is quite often how we see them when they come back yeah absolutely absolutely wow wow so now so we, we we've talked about how they're being exploited what are some of the signs that and I know that these signs can be a large uh, again, amount of signs, and, and I suppose it crosses. It's so frustrating because, as I said, when I was thinking about this topic today, these are the kind of things I was questioning. And you wish that you could have like a checklist and say, you know, adults, parents, this is what you should be looking out for. The sad and harsh reality is that, and I've written it here on my note, nobody's safe or exempt. So we should, we can look at what's called the traditional perfect. You know, if I was a organized criminal and I was trying to find myself a team of youngers or workers to go up to country to sell my drugs for me there are specific types of people that I would target but that yes. doesn't mean that I would exclude target them everyone exclude no them. definitely definitely so and I think we main... need to be mindful of that because I think yeah, a lot of people you know even when I talk about CSE the sexual exploitation a lot of people get that twisted with something else but again it's mm. far more sinister than actually you could imagine yeah, so I'm going to give kind of an overview of what we would say as lawyers is the typical picking, you know, if I was recruiting, yep. what we're looking for. So yep. first and foremost, we're going for vulnerable children, children who are in care or have difficult lives at home. If yep. their parents themselves are alcoholics or they've got drug issues or, you know, they're violent or they come from a background which is not very stable, they are at the perfect pick, probably first pick even. Then we've got the next category, what we call the SEM kids or the, those who are excluded from secondary school. So they are normally attending um, education centers and literally you will find that there are certain organized criminals who will sit outside these SEM or these community centers where people go to do their secondary school GCSEs because they've had bad behavior because they're prime pickings. Then you've got the other category, and this is the category that a lot of people forget about, and I think it's so important that people realise that this is actually a category that makes a child vulnerable. And this is without criticism to anybody that's listening, but the parents were hardly around due to work. Now you yeah. think, well, you know, I'm working every hour God sends to provide for my kids, and that is in itself fantastic, because we're, we're, we've, we've grown up watching TV, hearing about Benefit Britain, right? So to of have course. a mum that goes hard working typically black and african uh, african caribbean parents work they work all time of day or night day shift night shift late shift early shift but what that means is that there isn't always an adult at home just because you come from a good home or you've got parents that have really good jobs that that means that your children are safe from being exploited and that is, which is those who are obviously limited resources the reason that those are very vulnerable what these organized criminals really depend on is being able to offer something effectively that's not on offer at home it is that glamour that they use to capture the attention of our young people so i'm going to give you some examples and we talked about them a minute ago jenny was things like what can we look for when we're thinking, is my child being exploited or is there something that I should be concerned about? If you give your kid 20 pounds a week to go to school and your child starts coming home with new clothes, expensive trainers, new phone, or a phone that you haven't bought for them that rings a bit often, or you just notice a little bit more money than you've given them. You gave them 20 pounds on Monday, it's Tuesday, and they've got 40 pounds, how? Yeah. If they're staying out late, or that you're not knowing their, their whereabouts. And I'm not saying obviously micromanage, but knowing your child's whereabouts is so important. They're disappearing for long periods of time. They go to a friend's for the weekend and you can't get through to them. Or they're presenting behavioral difficulties and changes, such an important indicator. If your kid's more scared than usual, more anxious, more aggressive than usual, there might be stuff going on that you have no idea about. And then the typical one is what I said it to uh, somebody the other day is phone always ringing, always having to pop out. Where are you going? Where are you going? Yeah. These are the yeah. indications that people might think are innocent. And sometimes they are innocent, but you have to be, a pe we have to be alert to these things yeah. because Definitely. these are the things that, as I said, that people pry on, but that they, they pray on it for that. The whole idea is to promise something or offer something that isn't necessarily on offer at home and that's no yeah. criticism dad or nan or whoever it is that's taking care but it might just be that that 150 pound trainers that we can't afford this week until payday is being offered 
Yeah, as well as it's important exactly, to teach yeah. our children about the value of money and you know how to save up for your things and things like that because that stuff is dangled like carrots in front of us of these young people. So they're promised money. They're frequently shown what they think is the finer things, the glamour, the watches, the clothes, the jewellery, women, parties, cars. If your son or your daughter comes home on a new push bike, where did you get it from? Yeah. I know when I was growing up, I couldn't bring anybody's anything in my mother's house. <laughs> because yeah. and if I did, my mom would do it. You were allowed to borrow. <laughs> yeah, no borrow, no borrowing. But, you know, if your son's suddenly driving a moped or rolls home with a moped, uh, a, moped um, a bike helmet, where do you get that from? Ask the questions. Because what they do is they offer this sense of belonging to a family. They offer this sense of protection and they offer the promise of money. And they offer the promise of, of being able to provide things that you can't necessarily get from immediately from your parents or from your family home. Yeah. And those who are vulnerable and already having difficult uh, existences find it so much easier because but nobody cares what time you come home. You know, nobody cares if you go to school tomorrow. So if that's the case, then the other adults around can be alert to certain things. So the other question, what I want to ask, and, and, I, and I suppose this matches to my work, and, and sometimes I suppose I have a hard time thinking about this one, and it's why are young people who are exploited through county lines often treated as criminals? And I say uh -huh. that because... When I've seen on occasion maybe some of our clients who have got into trouble or have been arrested for maybe, I don't know, shoplifting or doing stuff, there's no big questioning around maybe it could be this, maybe it could be that. Mm -hmm. You know, you're talking about groups, three or four young people who have been arrested at the same time. And it's kind of a hard thing to understand because you can see it on both sides. You know, they've been arrested for stealing shoplifting how are the police yeah. to know that there may be a possibility of exploitation but is there any form of explanation for that or is there i i wish i wish jenny i wish i had one and you know the fact that you've been asking that question again makes me so frustrated because why are we not protecting our youth from this situation and when they are picked up upon why do we realize them first without investigating and exploring what it is that's actually causing these difficulties in the criminal courts or the youth the youth court where I represent young people under the age of 18 the whole idea of the youth court when they're dealing with sentences and you know when people find them young people find themselves before the courts the whole idea of the court's job for youth sentences is to rehabilitate and to prevent them from reoffending. so it isn't to necessarily criminalize them so this is why I find it mind-blowing that when our young people are arrested, they're criminalized before anything else, and then only to end up in a court that tries to stop them from committing crime in the first place, we should be doing it kind of prevention rather than cure. But the yeah. answer to your question is because there is a law, this is the Modern Slavery Act 2015, and I'll talk about it a little bit more detail a bit later. But effectively, if you're under the age of 18, the law says that you have a defense. If it's found, there are conclusive grounds that you have been exploited. And exploited meaning if you're committing crimes or you're doing criminal activity under the age of, of 18. But there has to be, and the term is conclusive grounds that you have been exploited. Okay. Now, the reason that I think our young people are treated as criminals before they're questioned or investigated for being exploited is because that entire system depends on two things. It firstly depends on, more importantly, somebody's just wrote it there, yes, Luke, the NRM system. Don't that pulling my questions, man. No, I'm not going to go too much. I'll tell you about it. So it depends I, I on the NRM system. Like, Jenny, don't worry, Jenny's we'll going to Jenny's that. Gonna ask you about the NRM <laughs> a little bit. It, it depends on the NRM system, but more importantly, it also depends on the, tr the youth, the same youth that are being exploited to disclose information. And what we're talking yeah. about here is, this is madness. <clears throat> what you're talking about here is you're saying that the same young person who needs protection protection yes the same young person that is being exploited is the person yes. that has to disclose that information in order to be protected in the criminal courts it's insane yeah so what you're saying is when we're talking about these olders these youngers these workers let's put it in perspective a little bit well the older drug dealers they are preying on these young people on purpose we've talked about the categories of, of the, the easy targets or the more perfect recruitment opportunities for them it's easy to mold them. And we've spoken about this word fear. They are molded because they're persuaded with money 
and the offer of these gifts and this, this glamorous lifestyle. And they're persuaded by the threat of fear. Now, there is no dispute in that many of these olders, many, most of them are just, you know, opportunists, but many of them are incredibly dangerous. And the yes. threats and the pressure that's made is not just to your young person, but made to you, your mum, your dad, you yeah. know. They know Family, where you live. Yeah. They, they know where your mum goes to work. Because they are very, very sophisticated when they're trying to recruit the perfect picks yeah. for yeah. their youngers. So you're expecting this young person to effectively stand up to and snitch is a term against somebody who is very big in the in in, in the, the criminal underworld or whatever and yeah. also that not just harm them but harm their families now what's worse than that is most of these olders aren't really gonna be hurting children let me be let me be honest i'm speaking from my experience of the criminal courts most of these olders ain't hurting children it brings too much attention it's too risky okay they don't want to bring that much attention to what it is that they've got yes, going yes, on. Of course, of it's course, easier of course. just to re-recruit another batch of youngers. But if you are an older and you're doing that kind of thing and you're letting these youngers slide through the net whenever they want or whatever, then your reputation amongst other youngers falls flat. So what yeah. they do is they recruit other youngers. And this is where we talk about these supervisors. So we're looking at the supervisor category now. They recruit other youngers who are even more dedicated to the hustle, more dedicated to selling the drugs. They might get paid slightly better than the youngers do. You know, they might have a bit more responsibility. They get bigger sentences, but they have a bit more responsibility. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that person is the person that gives the younger the mobile phone with the, that rings or dispatches the younger to go and do what they need to do or to sell the drugs or collects the drugs, delivers the drugs, packages them, for example. And those are the other category of youngers which are actually the most important, I would suggest, in the food chain because they are the ones that implement the fear. I'll give you an example. You've got a young boy, he's 14, he's recruited to, you know, county lines. His job's simple. He's got to take a package up to so-and-so. We're going to say Reading again. He's from Peckham. Goes up to Reading. He's got to spend the weekend in this house. He's given a mobile phone. He's told when the mobile phone rings, you answer it and you do as you're told. And if you do it for the whole weekend, I'll give you four, five hundred pounds. And if I do that, you're talking about a 14, 15 year old kid whose mum's struggling, who's always working. They've barely got any food in the house. The gas kicked off this morning. And this kid's thinking, I can take this 400 pound and go and help my mum. Yeah. So I'll do it. And suppose, for example, on the way up there, he gets robbed. He owes the drug dealer for the money, for the drugs. Um, and he's not getting paid his 400 pounds. So he has to do what he needs to do, which is whatever he's told, to get back the whole loss yeah. effectively. Now, if he doesn't, the drug dealer himself is unlikely to go and beat up this little boy, this 14-year-old kid. He's probably going to do it. But yeah. that drug dealer might have a 17-year-old boy who's prepared to carry a knife, who's prepared to go and put the younger in check. And yeah. that is when I said that this food chain thing is so sophisticated. Because the olders, they're not really doing the things that get them hands dirty. They're not in the trap house. No, no. They're not answering the phone. They're definitely not carrying the drugs. They're probably not even packaging the drugs. They're not beating up young kids, people who can do all of that for them, who are just a little that. bit older. Yeah. A little bit older than the youngest who are the ones that are being exploited. So as I said, the answer to your question is, why is it that um, these young people are... are criminalized it's because of the sophistication of that whole enterprise yeah. Yeah. it's not just going to kidnap me or hurt my mum it's because i walk from peckham high street known as a snitch and those other boys that used to work or do work for the same older are going to stab me and i'm going to die yeah or they're going to set fire to my mum's house so it's a lot mm -hmm. more serious and i so said when we're adults are saying you know the, we fear, the fear is massive it's incredible, absolutely incredible. And not a lot of people want to have this conversation. So I'm so grateful for this platform because so many people need to understand the sciences that are behind it. This is incredibly sophisticated stuff. It's not dumb people who didn't, you know, make it through school who decided no. to sell a bit of drugs. This is really sophisticated. And I think that's why when we touched on it before, I was like, no, because as I said, like, this is a massive part of my work and, and not just the criminal exploitation side which we have seen rise during yeah. lockdown but obviously now shops are back open you know young people can get back out onto the roads but also the 
um, CSE uh, exploitation side is a big part of my work. And I feel like not a lot of people understand what it takes for us because, you know, you're giving the deepness of your side. We've now yeah. got to support this young person, help this young person. You know, we've got to talk about criminality and we've got to talk about the law, but we've also got to talk about their safety, their family safety. You know, we've got to speak with them and already they're, they're fearful and scared because of whatever's been told to them before. So we've really got to break in a barrier with these young people. And, and based on everything that you've talked about, it's not as easy as people think. It's absolutely. But then what do parents do if they're concerned? What the parents should do is speak to the child. The reason that's important is because you, when you have it, you need to have it without any ju judgment whatsoever. It is not a criticism of your parenting. It doesn't mean that you are a failed parent. What it means is that you need to try and reconnect with your child and find out what was it that they were seeking from having that involvement because they're looking for something. Something. It's yeah. not just because of their board or, you know, their whatever. They're looking for something. Money, whether that's they think mum's struggling in the bills, whether it's, you know, they just want a new pair of trainers. It might, I don't know, they might want to feel like they're part of a family or something along those lines. Try and explore with them what it is that they think they're missing that they're seeking. Yeah. Then beyond that, I want to say this right off the cuff. All guns blazing is a bad idea. And I know that it's easy to say that, but you go all blazing, you could actually put your child in more danger. Yeah. You could actually put yourself in danger. And the easiest thing, you know, mums, dads, you want to protect, that's your job. You've got to, you've got to try and deal with that in, a, in the correct manner. There yeah, are other places, I agree with you. places that you can try and liaise with. I'm speaking to um, the local authority, social care team, they have special departments for young people who are possibly at risk or being exploited. Um, if you're that scared or your child is indicated being that scared, you speak to your local authority about getting moved out of the area, sending your kid away for a little while. I, I had a parent last year who sent their child away for a couple of weeks to stay with relatives outside of London to get a bit of a break. Um, the whole yeah. idea was that young person would just disappear off the grid for a little bit if of course you're concerned for you or your child's immediate safety be it that it's risk would be to call the police but again as i've said to you yeah. before that the explanation and the reason why i say that the first thing you need to do is explore with the child what they were seeking and don't go all guns blazing first is because you need to understand what it is that made your child vulnerable to exploitation in the first place yeah dealing with this right. exploitation is easy Preventing it happening again is a bit more difficult. Yeah. If you're a hard worker and the reason your child's found them... That's what I was about to say. If you've been back, recruited and... You're still not yeah. going to be around. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. Unless you suddenly yeah. decide you're not going to work, which are you going to pay the bills? So you have to be quite... As I said, it's a sophisticated. These parents have to swat up a little bit and understand what it is that's actually happened here. But I say that no adult should be under any illusion about their child or their own immediate safety because this is... This isn't TV, you know, there's a lot of TV programs, there's Top Boy, there's, you know, all these programs, it's great, but this isn't TV, this is your life. People's lives are at risk. Yeah, yeah. If your child is missing or arrested for missing first, missing, report your child to the police. Missing, report the child missing. Report the child missing, I can't stress that enough. Yeah, the reason 100%. I said is because not only does it protect you as the parent, because later on they can say that you have not safeguarded your child from that harm. Definitely. They can blame you if you don't report um, any difficulties or missing to the police. But also what it does is it flags up the possibility of exploitation to the right environment. Right. Yeah. So I would encourage, if your child's gone missing, even if it's for 24 hours, report it to the police. If your child's arrested, so I say this to everybody, everybody always thinks, oh, you need money to have a lawyer. You are automatically entitled to free representation in the police station. That's everybody, regardless if you're me or Richard Branson. All right. You don't have to choose a duty solicitor at the police station. You can choose any lawyer that accepts legal aid. So you go on Google, phone a friend, ask your family, do you know anybody? My firm, we represent young people and adults in the station for free across England and Wales, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. And I have been year. posting up your number, young lady. So <laughs> yeah. if this is you why I'm always <laughs> But the whole idea is that you, you, you have the access to it. There isn't this idea that you need to have money for a lawyer. No, get a lawyer. Get one, get one, get one. If you don't know one, then ask for a duty. 
this, this, there's this urban myth that duty lawyers are rubbish. I don't need to just pin my, my firm's details on the thank you. There's this, this urban myth that duty lawyers are rubbish. Don't get me wrong, some of them are not very great, but having a lawyer is better than having no lawyer. Everybody went to law school. That's the one thing they can all have in common. You can change after the police station interview if you have to or if you want to. My firm is based in Brixton, right next door to McDonald's on the high street. But yes, get a lawyer. If you don't know one, find one. If you've got a young person that you think might be at risk of exploitation, find a lawyer now. Put my number in your phone and always have it. My firm's 24 hours. You can call us from anywhere in the UK and we can get somebody to the police station within 40 minutes. What that means is that there is that the expectation that you're getting advice, not only for the child but for the parent yeah because when your child is arrested an appropriate adult is usually assigned and if it's not a family member then they the, the police station will um, allocate one and the whole idea is to ensure child's interests are protected in the police station but as i said if you're stuck choose the duty then call me afterwards call somebody afterwards because what it means is you can transfer the case over anybody under the age of 18 is entitled to legal aid so you will not have to pay for representation and you won't have to pay for good representation either. The other thing that I was gonna say is, just in relation to why I say it's important that you report things, is I also represent people in family court. I represent parents who are at risk of losing their children, and sometimes I represent the local authority who want to remove a child for their own safety. There yes. is something called a deprivation of liberty order. And a deprivation of liberty order says what it is on the tin. It basically removes the rights of the, the child to be free. They are okay. used in very exceptional circumstances, and usually there has to be quite exceptional circumstances. But I'll give you the example. The test is usually whether or not the child is beyond parental control. So if you've tried everything, if your kid just keeps leaving the house, if they just keep disappearing, they come back with this stuff, you talk to them, it's not working. The social team and your local authority will be able to assist you with considering what's necessary for their protection. And I'm going to do a case summary here. I represented a young girl last year. She was fiend. Um, she was being exploited both in the criminal way. So she was being exploited by virtue of having to go to trap houses in, in, in counties and assist with selling drugs. But she was also being exploited sexually. That she was being sexually assaulted and abused by older gang members in these trap houses. Yet she, and the reason is because she had been groomed and molded and manipulated into understanding that what they were offering for her was love. She sought that feeling of being loved. So she had been convinced that she was in a loving relationship with one of the younger gang members yeah. who effectively she would do anything for. And that's yeah. what she was doing and that's how she found herself in this position but she was beyond parental control she had she just wouldn't engage with anybody and so the parents at their literal wits end and this is worst case scenario as i said it's only in exceptional cases they um went to social services who assisted them with de depriving her of her liberty and what they did was they placed her in a secure accommodation unit in liverpool she was originally from Lewisham. now you think oh my god i'm a child going to liverpool but what was the alternative if she tried to escape effectively from her job in the food chain, she was at risk, not only of sexual exploitation, of physical exploitation. Yeah. The people knew where she lived because they had come in disguise as friends, just slightly yeah. older friends, slightly yeah. older friends who bought her a phone, who bought her a pair of trainers for her birthday, little things like that. So they knew where the pets lived. How do you stop them coming to the house? Yeah. How do you stop her saying she's going to the shop and then sneaking off? So her liberty was deprived. For a very short period of time, she was almost 16, and they helped her relocate and end up in supported accommodation. And, you know, I, she did her GCSEs, and hopefully she'll thrive. But the parents took the decision, and I can only imagine how much of a hard decision that was for you to say to somebody, I can't manage my child. You need to take them away to keep them safe for a little bit. Yeah. Worst case scenario, and I say it as an exception, but the reason I say it is because if you don't hold your hands up and say, do you know what? I can't cope. Oh, yeah. I don't know how to manage this situation. I've tried everything and my child is at risk and now me and my other children are at risk or me and my family are at risk. It takes a lot of courage to do that. But if you don't do that, the system can do it for you. Yeah. And that's worse, much, much worse. And, it's, and, it, and, I, and I must say, just talking up for 
parents is that it's really difficult because there are a lot of parents who are doing everything they can. Their children are going missing, they're calling, they're searching, they're trying to keep them in, they're having conversations with them. And I suppose the big part of my work is what you've just said, working to support the parents and mm -hmm. the young person. But as someone has put in there, it is also about their mindset Absolutely. and where they're at at the time when someone comes to talk to them. You know, that vulnerability. This is why people say, people say this, Jenny, sorry to interject that, but people say this, right? But it's the little things. It's the tiny little things. And it's some of the things that our grandparents used to do that we don't do anymore because we don't have time. We will put our child in front of the iPad. We will allow our child to come home from school, take off their uniform, barely hang it up and sit down on the computer until dinner time then sit down on the computer until bedtime. Now, if that's your way of parenting, there's nothing wrong with that. But you need to have some balance. How do you understand what your child is thinking and going through if you're not having conversations with them? The reason I say now, I say our grandparents, because my grandparent was this type of person. When it was dinner time, everybody has to sit around the table and eat dinner together. There is no eating dinner hole up in your room. Sit around the table, even if it's 15 minutes, even if it's a quick dinner, 20 minutes. Yeah. Finding that time yeah. to check in and see how people are doing. Having conversation, even if it's not dinner, you have breakfast together, we can manage. Even if it's just once a week, you know, everybody has dinner on a Wednesday, for example. Wednesday, everybody knows they've got to be home at seven o'clock because we're going to have family dinner. What it yeah. does is it gives you an insight to what's actually going on. Not how the school, yeah, we're right, and then they go in their room and that's that. That's you get what I mean? Yeah. A little bit more yeah. than that. And we really yeah. have to take time. I mean, my sister, as I said, she's 15. And we, there is no phones. When, we, when, we, when she's with me, we, there's no phones. We sit down, we have dinner, we talk. You know, we have a conversation. When I say house school, I don't mean, how, yeah, it's okay. I mean, what's going on? I want to know. Who's friends with who? Who fell out with who this week? Give me the update. And the reason is because that's when you find out what's really going on. And it's so easy to say, and I say, of course, I say this, you know, so easily. It's easy for me to say I'm a lawyer, you know, whatever. But it's important because that insight could be the thing that saves your child from being exploited and at any we time all... we can at any time we can change that as a family Come on, we can absolutely. change that you know if we wasn't eating dinner together yesterday and we're hearing this now and it's an insight to you and your family we need to start changing that because that's what this live is about I've just got, we've got a comment that can... here that says, um, you hear the excuses of we don't have a dinner table. Get on your knees and sit at the kids' table. Get a cushion on the floor. Do whatever you need to. It doesn't even need to be a fancy dinner. If no, all you've got no. is a jacket potato, then everybody's having jacket potatoes on Wednesday evening so we can have a conversation and see how everybody's doing. And it's so important because, you know, I meet so many parents who go, I just didn't know. Who go, well, what do you mean you didn't know? Let's explore it. And I go, well, the trainers, did you buy them? No. Who bought them? He did. Where did he get the money from? Well, um, and then you go, well, how much money do you give him or her to go to school on a Monday? And they said 20 quid for the week. So when they come home with 100 pound trainers, who do you think got them? Where do you think they got? Do they have a job? No. You know, and it's just by, we use the excuse and it is an excuse. We don't have the time. We are too busy. We are working with this. But we all got time to be on social media. We've all got time to you know, chat to our friends or go to the supermarket or whatever. Take your child to the supermarket with you. Have a conversation while you're filling up the trolley. Define the time to make the conversation happen. And um, there's a question in here, for those young people who are arrested and bailed, why aren't their cases transferred to their hometown court if charged? Such an important question. It's the way that the system works. Every police station is attached to a certain magistrate's court or a certain youth court or a certain crown court. So, for example, if you get arrested at Brixton, you would typically go to Campbell or Green Magistrates Court and that would end up at the Inner London Crown Court. I don't know why it is the way it is. I presume it's to regulate the numbers of cases in each area and things like that. But that's the that makes sense. And again, it is, it's, it's horrendous because my little black boy from Peckham who found himself in Reading is going to find himself in Reading Court where the jury looks nothing like him. And they're going to be looking yeah. at him to say, what are you doing in our area? You know, why are you up here? You come to our yeah. town from London, you know, come up from London. That's what they say. Oh, he's come up from London to sell drugs. And, and that's the reality. Sadly, um, Winston, lawyers are able, however, to make applications to have cases transferred and stuff like that if, if necessary. But it is, it's automatic pretty much. Now, I know that time is ticking and there is yeah. so much. Listen, we, we need to probably do this. <laughs> we need to do this again because 
it is such, I mean, I'm so glad that I got to do this with you because big part of my work, big part of your work, I've gained so much yeah. insights. I'll be able to actually say to some of my parents who are dealing with some of these um, issues within their family, come and listen, have a listen to it and just take some things from it because the insights that we've had this evening are massive. There are so many comments as well. Um, and I'm going to try because I can see like it's 10 to 8. And as we know, like, we'll start clocking off at about 5 too. And uh, there was... Why, Jenny, why don't, why don't you um, try and whiz through some questions for me? I'm just going to do what you wanted to ask me about that. Yeah, I'm going to do that. So I've, I've had a little look in here and um, people are asking, we need to have discussions around reducing exclusions. And are, do we think exclusions and exploitation are linked? Absolutely. I mean, last year when they were just discussing this knife crime, epidemic i was and doing a live debate with the bbc same thing and a lot of people say there is a link there is a link because as i said they are the most vulnerable people um they are the most vulnerable people schools for whatever reason that they do exclude it is no surprise that there are more children excluded from african caribbean backgrounds than there are others that's a fact however the difficulty that you have is that it does make our children more vulnerable to being exploited yeah the government, we've been having this debate and this argument at all different levels for so many years. It doesn't seem to be getting better, and if anything, it's getting worse. But that, that sadly, it is the reason. It's frustrating, said, but that's when we start saying that we're depending on the schools or the schooling to help us with the raising of the kids. And now, the children, yes, yeah. of course, we have so much restrictions. If you don't send your kids to school, you get could take prosecuted, all of this. But at the same time, or lack thereof shouldn't affect your ability to have conversations with your children you know whether your child's excluded or not does not mean that you cannot instill things in your child or have the conversation with your child to make them alert and aware to possible exploitation in fact if your child is excluded you should be having a conversation more than if your child isn't yeah uh, question for someone without a lawyer is, is it best to say no comment regardless of regardless of guilt or innocence innocence till the rest of the question i don't know if you i don't want to be that person that says no comment no comment no comment if you are unsure you know i say to people if you're not sure then safe to go no comment however when you go no comment you place yourself at risk because if you're charged and you go to court then they can use that against you and then they can use that as a reason to not believe what you're saying your police station is the first thing that you have to give an account on record if you're unsure about giving an account, then that's what the lawyers are there for. Get a lawyer. Get arts for the duty. Arts for a lawyer. They're free in the police station for everybody. You know, get a lawyer. What it means is that you can ask somebody, what should I do? And they can give you this. I would be a bad lawyer if I said that everybody should automatically go no comment. It depends on every case. Every different. There are some clients I say, no, 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 no comment. There are others I say, you need to, you know, my advice would be you need to answer all the questions. And there are others where you say, actually, don't answer questions. I'm going to write a statement for you. So it isn't a one-size-fits-all, I'm afraid. Um, the best piece of advice I could get is if you're in the police station and you're not sure what you should be doing, you need to be getting yourself a lawyer. Fantastic point to end on because it's five to eight and I know it's going to clock down. I have a few more questions, but I actually think, Tanika, we need to get you back one more time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. I think we need to get great. you back one more time and talk about when young people are arrested um, and go a little bit more into detail on stop and search, you know, what does no comment do for you? Is it a good thing? Because we do hear it a lot. Yeah. As you just said, one size doesn't fit all and people don't understand that. We need to get into that because we know that stop and search arrests are up. We know that exploitation is up, whether it's uh, sexual or criminal. It's mm. something that I don't hear many people go into detail like we did this evening and we need to do it again. So I'm going to say thank you. So, no, listen, thank you so much. It's been so amazing. And we didn't even get down to some of the crux in this. But you got to come I know. back. <laughs> you got to come back. I'll be glad to be back. Thank you so much for having me. I hope that those who have been logged in have learned something or taken some gems spread the word man the more the merrier I'm, I'm glad for us to have conversations or you know if there's oh, any look, youth projects Winston's saying after the lockdown we're gonna do a live 
in the office, in the office without together. time no time constraints yes. just yeah, get down, down to it I'm I think down. that's a brilliant idea this is a fantastic platform no man big up girls big time Jenny Winston I appreciate you. you it's such, it's such Listen, a it couldn't happen platform. it couldn't happen it's without special. people like yourselves professionals like yourselves professionals like me we need to come together and do this more so Thank you. Big up everyone who was locked in. I'm so sorry I didn't get through all of your questions and also the comments. I am going to work towards doing something on exclusions because that's another key part of our work and we need to talk about that. I've just started for details. I've just posted in the, the chat. Alcindor Law is the name of my firm. The details are in the chat, but when I post the video up in the next five minutes... Tonika's details and office is going to be in the comments. We're on two-minute countdown, Tonika. Thank you so much. Please <laughs> come back and so watch much. the video, so and they'll thank be able to get all of your details. Please have and a good this evening. This is going to go up. Going to go up now. Right. All right. Yeah, right now, it's going to go on IGTV. Bye. Take care. Good night. On look out for the details on the IGTV. As soon as it goes up online, please get Tonika's details. And as she said, if you get arrested or a young person gets arrested, please, please get yourself a lawyer. We are out for this evening. I'll see you right back here next week, Monday. Thanks for joining us. Good night for now. Big, big thanks there for the insights to Tonika from Alcindor Law. Now, contact number for Alcindor Law is 0207-388-8333. And you can ask for Twanika. Just make sure you take in those insights and tell a friend to tell a friend. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to give us a follow on Twitter at Jenny underscore Lioness at Project Yana 17 on Instagram at Jenny Steel Foundation at official Jenny Steel. You can find out more about Project Yana CIC and Juvenis Youth at www.jennysteel.co.uk.